Happy Thanksgiving. I hope, uh, hope you got some good stuff going on for Thanksgiving. Have you already done uh, one Thanksgiving meal? You got one down. Well, that's good. Keep her going. Um, uh, yeah, Thanksgiving is a good time for us to be thankful. It's, uh, it's a good topic. We even take uh, a special day in the year to be thankful for all kinds of stuff. In, in the olden days when I was young, then, uh, you know, it was kind of like uh, the, the harvest was done, potatoes were in the root cellar, the canning was done, and then we always had this kind of this, this table full of stuff, which again was a reflection of the reality that God had been good through the summer, through the fall, and now we had the reality of how he had provided and people were thankful. It's a good day. Thankful for all kinds of stuff. Today when you sit around the table, and tomorrow, take some time and talk about what you're thankful for. How God's provided, maybe your health, maybe your job, maybe the people that are sitting around the table. It's a good time to be thankful. Today's topic is continuing our series. It's the last in the series of When Bad Christians Happen to Good People. The subtitle is Overcoming Church Hurts. Jesus, fuck. It's Thanksgiving. It's a bit of a tough topic to kind of tackle on a happy Thanksgiving day. So, you know, bear with me a bit. There's good news. The good news is that Jesus loves you and he knows you. And there is nothing, no one, no church, no misunderstanding from a church that can separate you from the love of Christ. Okay, so we're going to unpack that a little bit. We're going to try to understand kind of why that happens sometimes. Try to connect some dots if it's happened to you. Try to help you understand that there is someone who does know and understand, and it's not your name, and you can release that stuff. Not avoid it, not, not, not belittle it, but to name it and know that he's enough and release yourself so you can walk in freedom. You can walk through the path of healing. All right, so a bit of a tough topic, but we're going to take a run at it and touch on a few things. We start off with, why has the church sometimes hurt people? Um, you know, our buddy there, Pastor Matt, he's done a great job on, uh, on, the, on the, the three services regarding this topic. And last week he did that thing, that machine thing. What was that machine thing called? Hey, see? Boom, we got it. Hey, that is like a home runner. The enemy making machine. Okay, just hold that for a minute. So what happens? We got beliefs. Because we believe the Bible. And then we have kind of distinctives. Then we we build off our distinctives and we start to make them as a banner. Hey, this is what we do and what we don't do. This is us. We got the little banner thing. And then and then we gotta build a fence. Because we've got to know if you're in or out, if you join our banner and agree with our distinctives and agree with what we believe in, oh, shoot the puck, and then we got this enemy thing. It can move towards that. You're, you're not with us. You're our enemy. You're our scapegoat. Okay? So, so, so that's, that's what Matt tried to help us understand that um, uh, we, we want to be careful that in, the, in understanding the beliefs from the Scripture and doing what we can to continue to walk in ways that reflect that we know the Father's love and we live in our culture and we try to live in ways that are honoring to the Lord, that we, we don't try to move in such a way that we, we scapegoat, that we develop enemies, that we are clear on what we're against and not clear on what we're for, right? Remember the little tidbit about, about the, uh, the fence or the well, Right, the, Jesus being the well, in Australia they don't have fences, they have wells, the animals stick around the wells. We, we, that's a great picture of us trying to live life in such a way that um, we try to help people to understand that Jesus is the well. That he desires for them to know him because the truth of his love will help set them free and the thirst that they have will, will, will quench the eternal thirst they have. It'll, it'll quench the thirst in the day today. He'll walk with them through the ups and downs in life. He'll help them with the difficulties so that they don't need to medicate or find life 
illegitimately through something that they do or try to accomplish, even though those are good things, they can do it from a greater pure motive because they know who they are and who they are because they know Christ's love. So the well concept, great idea, great picture. All right, so scapegoat, we don't want scapegoat people. Sometimes that happens because we struggle with the beliefs. Ooh, all right, what else happens? Sometimes it's church styles that can hurt people. Okay, so it's helpful for you and I to understand a church style. Different churches are different. It's okay to have differences. That's okay. Even, even like uh, the music piece, right? So, so you might have grown up in a scenario where you grew up in the church and um, you have uh, a connection to a certain type of music and a certain type of song that has a great family heritage and it speaks to your own spiritual walk and that's the music of the church. You got it. It's like, it's like a no-brainer. A bit, a bit true for me as well, growing up in the town that I was in, and uh, even though my family and I can carry a tune, we didn't have like 50,000 songs on our cell phone because they weren't invented, but I did buy a stereo in 1974, and I bought two 8-tracks, BTO and KTEL's Greatest Hits. That's me. Okay, so I have kind of church music, and I know if you're a Christian, you listen to this music, and then I got this other stuff. And uh, so my, you know, bandwidth is pretty narrow. I did have some friends that took me to a concert once when I was 15. Nazareth. I'm not going to tell you what they were doing there, because it was outside of my paradigm. However, when I was in grade 12... And I'm, I'm at Karenport High School, and I've given my heart to the Lord. You know, I've, this is my third year there. I was there for 10, 11, and 12, and, you know, kind of played the game. And, and the Lord just helped me see his love, and I accepted him. And we went into Regina one winter day, one winter evening, to uh, listen to the archers. And the archers, I think it was the archers. Uh, I think it was, it was like a, it was a family thing, two, two sisters and a brother. And uh, we went to the concert, and... Uh, Goodness, they had like guitars and drums. Oh, and I, I just remember thinking to myself, Lord, I don't even know if these people are Christians. Because this music is way, this is a bit like Nazareth. I mean, people weren't doing the things that they were doing at that concert, but whoa, this is way outside of my spectrum. Okay, so sometimes church style. So, so can you hear that? Okay, so sometimes, sometimes if you have a paradigm that this is what Christian music looks like, it's, it's hard to make those adjustments. Sometimes when you come out of a situation where maybe you've lived in a world of a certain type of music, it's hard to, to kind of not associate uh, similar types of music, different lyrics. You, you might associate it with that. That's my former life. So that, that type of music must be wrong. And what begins to happen is, is we, we divide, we, 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 we get hurt because we have a different understanding of what's right music and wrong music different than actually God is very creative. And not only is he creative, he's created us to be creative. And all kinds of genre of music are actually a reflection of his creativity that he's put in people that they have developed. Oh, it can be used for, it can be used for good or evil, but it's actually amoral, but we can make it moral because of some of the truth of what we carry. So we come to church, so sometimes we're hurt because of a church style, which might even be reflected and it's music. Another, another reality of so, so how come sometimes we can be hurt by the church is because the church carries responsibility. Matthew chapter 18, if, if we were to scroll through that, we won't go through the, the chapter today. I'll just kind of summarize it for you. It starts off with Jesus. Jesus is speaking. It's mostly read in that chapter. And uh, Jesus is speaking there, and he says, who's the greatest in the kingdom? who's the greatest in the kingdom of those who have faith like a child. And he goes to the next, next uh, point. Then he says, but be careful you don't cause a child to stumble, because if you cause a child to stumble, it would be better that a millstone was tied around your, deck and your neck and you're thrown into the depths of the sea. Wow. So he's making a point there, right? Like, hey, guys, come on, be careful. And then he talks about if a sheep is lost, the shepherd will leave the 99. If a child is lost, the shepherd 
would leave the 99 and go find the one. And when he finds the one, he would rejoice. He's not against the 99. It's a reflection to us of the truth that God loves us and he'd pursue us. Okay, then he goes on. We get to the next part, verse 15. Uh, when you think about Matthew 18, for many of us, the first passage that comes to mind is when your brother sins against you. Okay, so as he comes to that portion of Scripture, verse 15, it says, if your brother sins against you, some translations, or if your brother is sinning, go and show him his fault just between you, the two of you. If he listens, you've won him over. And if you will not listen, then take one or two others so that, you, that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You know, this is huge in uh, being able to fix um, um, hurts and disappointments. Uh, if, if you go talk to somebody individually, lots and lots of stuff can be, can be taken care of. There's a huge principle here because it's just you and them. Hey, hey, you know, when that happened, I'm not sure what you're thinking, but that was really hard for me. Can we talk that through? Oh, sorry, buddy. Different than, you know, if you bring 80 of your friends and say, hey, buddy, <laughs> we're going to deal with this. Okay? Great progression. Okay, then we get to 17 and 18. Listen to this. This is Jesus speaking. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Man, that's some powerful stuff. The church carries the responsibility to come alongside people, to help them, to encourage them in their lives. There is something powerful when community comes alongside an individual to try to help them in their struggles with life. Some pretty strong words. Treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. So this is written primarily to a Jewish audience, and they knew what that meant. That somehow you deal with them in such a way that even though they might be still Jewish, or in our case, they still might be a Christian, how do we walk alongside them and help them with that? The church tries to do that, and they can't always do that perfectly. They have a responsibility to do that. And when they're doing that, it's in the hopes that it would be redemptive. But every, every, every process is kind of mixed. The intention would be that the person would hear, that the loudness of the community come alongside them, that they would then turn and desire to have help with, admit that they've got a struggle, and the church would, be help, them, would help them to carry it. You can hear lots of, lots of challenges here. Now, now, just think about this. Here's a sub-point. The author of the book of Matthew is a tax collector. <laughs> Think of that. Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Jesus is speaking. How did Jesus treat the pagans and the tax collectors? Yeah, he was pretty kind to them. And he loved them. He was okay with pointing things out because he loved them. Their sin didn't cause him not to love them, but it had an effect on their relationship with him. He wanted them to know the truth because the truth would set them free. That was his greatest desire. And at times, they couldn't hear the truth, and eventually put him on a cross and crucified him because they couldn't hear the truth. So a church carries that responsibility. It's really tough. Really tough. Each scenario is tough. So that's one of the realities as to why things happen and sometimes we get hurt. Another one is theological beliefs. Um, in a particular church, what's the paradigm of what it means for that church by way of what church even looks like? So just, just a tidbit. If they are a congregational-led church, if that's a theological belief, that will look different than in a visionary apostolically-led church. Okay? You, it, might, it might have a similar flavor when you come in the room in the auditorium on a Sunday morning, but when it comes down to what's the direction we're going to set, what we're going to accomplish, that looks different because of their theological paradigm. So sometimes, are you aware of that? That, that helps in understanding, oh, that's the, that's the point of view that they hold to, and that's why they carry out decisions this way, and that's why they heard me, listened to me, treated me in this particular way. 
Okay? Leadership also has to make decisions and give direction. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to always agree with all decisions. We know that. If you're in leadership, that's clear. Okay? If, if, you're, if you're involved with a group of people like the Salvation Army Church, you understand that they have a calling, that they were called out of a time in history when poverty and alcoholism was rampant, and they wanted to address that need. What's, what's the Salvation Army Church known for today? What do they continue to do? They continue to stay faithful to what they believe God's called them to. So if you want them to look different in who they seek to target by way of the group they reach, then you're, you're, you're going to be disappointed. Okay? We think about, think about Pastor Willie and Gwen when they were starting uh, Sun West uh, about 25 years ago. Uh, they, they sensed that uh, they were, God was calling them to try to provide a place that would be easier for people to come to. So they, they, they felt like we could meet in the community, in a building, that would be helpful for people. It would be less threatening, more familiar to them. And also, sometimes there's been churches, church buildings, church, churches that met in church buildings that were churches that people have been disappointed by. So maybe we'd also be able to kind of help people step into the church if we meet in a more neutral place. And then they also were very strategic on, we're going to dress more casually, less suit and ties. We're going to even take our, our shirts, dress shirts, and, and untuck them. Right? It, was, it was all intentional. It, wasn't, it, it was ahead of the style. I mean, they were, they were trendsetters. And then, and then they also had bagels, and you could put cream cheese or jam on your bagels. Like it was cutting edge, like way over there. Now, you might have come to that church 25 years ago, saw somebody in the middle of the surface get up, walk to the back, make themselves a bagel, and come sit down again. You would have thought that's disrespectful, dishonoring. I can't stay at this church. Okay? They've they got to make a decision. They've got, a, they've got an understanding. It's what God's laid on their heart, and, and they, they're making a plan. We think this would be a good way to carry out that plan. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes the direction that's chosen isn't what you would have liked or what's comfortable for you, and so there's disagreement. That's okay. That's okay. It's, it's not meant to be intentionally hurting you. It's okay to disagree. It's okay for you and I to go to a different church if th that, that particular one we're attending has something that doesn't kind of fit with the vision that we sense that God's placed on us by way of who we are. Okay, another one is personality and giftedness. Now, this is, uh, I got to run this one pretty hard here because we could take uh, a longer time on this. So this is uh, when we head towards Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark, okay? So, so, uh, so just catch this. Personality and giftedness is a dynamic that happens in all of our lives and it happens in the church. And sometimes we are hurt because of differences in personalities and giftedness. So Barney, Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Jo Joseph, a Levite, Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. This guy was some encouraging dude. They changed his name. Hey, happy face. Hey, uh, hey, moose. Right? The, this guy, like, it just leaked out all over the place. They gave him a new name because he was so encouraging. All right, so then we got, we got this guy. His name is Paul. who comes to Christ, chapter 9. Uh... On the road to Damascus, I think, something like that. But anyway, he ends up in Damascus. He's preaching because um, he, he lets it rip because he's a Jew amongst the Jews. Like, he knows all the stuff. He, he went to rabbinical school, et cetera, et cetera, right? He's also, he's also part of the Roman guard, right? This guy's accomplished. So he's preaching there in Damascus. They don't like him. They're going to kill him. So he heads out to, to Jerusalem. Uh, Barney goes with him. And he gets to Jerusalem, and he kind of meets all the, the Christians. Hey, dudes, disciples, here I am. And they're going, hey, wait a minute. You were killing. You just killed... Stephen, Stephen here a few weeks back, and we're not really sure who you are. We're a little concerned. So what happens? Barney, Barnabas steps up and says, wait a minute, guys. Here's what God has done through this man. This is who he is. It happened back there. And they say, okay, that's cool. Go ahead. So he teaches there for a while, and then uh, the Jews want to kill him in Jerusalem, so they send him to Tarsus for two years. Meanwhile, Barney goes about 
working in Antioch and helping people, coming to know Christ, really going well. And we got this thing happening with Peter. Remember Peter, Corny, uh, the Cornelius thing? He gets the vision. And the Gentiles are coming, right? Barnab- Barnab- Barnabas is working in Antioch. He's thinking, this is going really well. I wonder what, I wonder what Paul's doing. So he goes to Tarsus to find Paul to bring him to Antioch to help with the work there. Cool. Fantastic. Because Barnabas is a encourager. And he looks for those people who are over there. Hey, come on. Do this. All right? Okay, so we got that going on. And then they're working together. They're buddies. Hitting home runs. And then they got this question of whether we should add some more things to the Gentiles. Maybe they should keep some of the laws. Okay? And the, the one they're debating is circumcision. Okay, we get to Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem Church Council. So they're, they're, they're batting it out, right? And Paul and Barnabas are there, and Paul does his thing. He stands up, gives a speech, and they decide, actually, that's true. We, we no longer, it's not, they do not need to keep to those laws. They just need to accept the truth of who Jesus is. Fantastic. They add a couple things, which the church does, because they're continuing to understand they have a role to try to help the needs and address the challenges of the church of that day. So they send them out, Silas, Barnabas, Paul, back to Antioch to bring the clarity of, you don't have to add things to the law, but they, add, they suggest, here's a couple of things. Though. You should abstain from food, that sacrifice to idols, from blood and from the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. You would, you would do well to avoid these things. Okay, so I just put that in a tidbit because it's a bit of that. Why would they say that to those people? Because they, they love them and they care about them and they want to help them with the need. They want to help them understand that this isn't good. This is, this is harmful. Please step outside of that. Okay? Some of these things like food sacrifice to idols wouldn't really apply to most of us in the room. It might to some. But it did in that time to those Gentiles who were coming to Christ. It was very clear. So they go. Hit a home run. It's all good. They're in Antioch. Things are going well. And then we get to these verses. Acts chapter 15, 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all of the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in that fancy word and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Saul, pardon me, Paul, took Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and uh, Cilicia and strengthened the churches. Okay, hold on. What's happening? These guys are like Christians. How can they do this? How can they have a disagreement? Like, they split ways. These guys were like, like buddies. They'd, they'd, they'd hit home runs all over Antioch. What happened? All right, so we got, uh, we got the son of encouragement who really likes to help people who are kind of in the journey, and we got the home run hitter. Man, he's, he's the A-team all the way, all the time. He puts his pedal to the metal all the time. Wrote, what do we think, 12, 13 books in the New Testament? Like this guy's, this guy's like a McDavid. Huh. Way out there. Okay, so, so Paul sees what John Mark did, and he says, we're going this direction. I don't trust him to come along. We're going this way. Are you coming, Barney? Barney says, no, I'm going to continue to help this guy. There's a division. Here's the good news. 2 Timothy 4.11. Only Luke was with me. Get Mark. Bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Something changed. <laughs> the home run hitter, good guy. He comes lots of stuff. Very gifted. Lots of good stuff. Absolutely. And, and so is Barney. Barney's gifted. A little more patient. A little more loyal. Okay with the journey. Okay. Sometimes we're hurt because there's a misunderstanding because we have different giftedness. That happens. Okay. Why are churches, 
Why are church hurts harder to heal? Harder to handle? I suggest a few things. One is, a church is like a family. It's very descriptive in the Scripture, brothers, sisters, right? But when you come into a church, um, it, it's, uh, it's more than the sports team that you belong to. The sports team, you, you, you fight the enemy together. <laughs> you, you've got some really great community. But, but in the church, there's another level of doing life together. From birth, right, Commitment to Jesus, baptism, maybe marriage, struggles in life, death, meaning and purpose of life. The, the church invites us to come in and ask us to be open like a family. So when we're misunderstood and something happens so that we're hurt, the hurt feels often and hurts more because it's not, it's not the Lions Club. It's not the sports team. It's a family. Sometimes also it's harder to handle because we wonder about God's plan. I understood that this was true God and you led me here and there was a special word and people encouraged me. And then now what? what now what? I, I feel lost. How, how come that happened? How could these people who are supposed to be Christ-like treat me in that way? Sometimes... What makes it harder to handle is our life's experience. What's, what's the set of glasses we carry by way of how we've learned how to handle the challenges of life, the disappointments of life? When, um, when you got cut from the team, what was the response of your friends? What was the response of mom and dad? Oh, you should have tried harder. Told you you should have. Or was it an empathy, an understanding, that's disappointing, you're going to be okay? Depending on some of those things, by way of our life experience, also help us to be able to handle hurts or affect us in how we handle hurts. If we learn that um, my actions, when people see them and they don't agree with them, I'm bad, that's shame, different than I'm, I'm valuable, the Lord loves me, and what I do is bad. If we mix up shame and guilt, then when someone's disappointed with us, it's really hard not to take that as a question of my own acceptance and value. So part is our own life's history. What what do we do with pain? How do we view pain? Is pain bad? Is, Is pain evil? Is the highest goal to avoid pain? For the joy set before him, he despised the shame and endured the cross. The pain of the cross and the shame of the cross, Jesus knew, was not his name, it wasn't his identity, and it would never separate him from the love of Christ. It pains hard. But it is not the biggest thing in our life to avoid. Put it to a positive side. We'll take it back to the negative. Put put it to the positive. If you want to have really big muscles, you've got to go tear them up at the gym. Right? What, what's, how's it go? Um, the road to success is paved with iron. That was in the weight room with the dumbbell we had. The one dumbbell. Right? Yeah. Okay, so, so, so pain, do, do we avoid pain? I was at a seminar here a couple weeks ago. It was on trauma. And Dr. Wilson, a clinical psychologist, uh, I'll read a couple quotes for you. A good life is one that's ultimate end is lived through both suffering and pleasure. The goodness of that life, in a sense, transcends pleasure and suffering. We were created by a personal God and made to have a relationship with Him. Relationship with and in obedience to God is paramount. So partly how we, how we process the difficulties and hurts and pains from a church also has an understanding of how do we view life. What's the set of glasses we look through? You also touched on emotions. I just want to open that door a little bit, and then we'll, we'll keep moving in. A theology of emotions. Emotions have a structure and a direction. Therefore, emotions can be warranted or unwarranted, rational or irrational, realistic or unrealistic, sensible or ridiculous. Emotional experiences are not neutral, They facilitate God's purposes and functions or not. I often say, 
to my clients that um, emotions are like windows to the soul. They tell us what is true, what happened. They tell us what it is we would like, our desires and longings, our passions. And they tell us what we believe to be true. I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I can't handle this. That's a belief system. Further, at the seminar, Dr. Wilson highlighted uh, a bit of a term. I think it's kind of a cool term. He talks about spiritual bypassing. Spiritual bypassing is using spiritual ideas and practices to avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. Shortcutting them, like we might say, well, man meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That comes from the story of, right, Joseph. But that doesn't mean that he didn't grieve. That doesn't mean he wasn't upset with his brothers. That doesn't mean he wasn't angry. It means that at the end, he could see that they meant it for evil and God meant it for good. But he processed that along the way. He was deeply hurt by them. Okay, so spiritual bypassing, shutting things down. If I'm still struggling with this, it must mean that I haven't learned what God wants to teach me yet. Like, get over it. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Don't, don't get over it. Walk through it. The, the truth of the hurt and pain, God wants us to walk through it and grieve it so we can give permission for it to speak. Sometimes the use of spiritual bypassing in the church are held up as examples. Those who cannot maintain a spiritual bypassing can feel like failures. They can feel less than shame or guilt. Let's just be careful, careful on that. It's okay to grieve. The pain isn't your name. It won't undo you. You don't have to be happy when there's disappointment, but you can still sit in the reality of God is for you Christ is with you, and you can have joy, not necessarily happiness. Christ talked about the openness and the honesty. He reflected his truth of his own pain. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me when he was on the cross? Paul said, in Romans chapter 7, as we go through 7, 8, and 9, he says, I do what I don't want to do, and the things that I do want to do, I don't do. Okay, so sometimes there's that part about what have we learned? What's the set of glasses we, we work through? So how do we process hurt well? Just going to highlight a few things. Uh, one important piece is how do we understand forgiveness? What does it mean to forgive and release? Um, if we have a paradigm that says uh, we have to automatically trust, that's what forgiveness is. Different than forgiving and releasing and rebuilding trust, that would be wisdom. If we have a belief system that what really happened doesn't matter, it's not important because, you know, people have much worse things happening than I do. We're belittling the truth of what's real for us and not allowing it to speak. You should just get over it. It's not a big deal. Okay, be careful of those things. It, it's, it's, it's not your name, but it's helpful and healthy to allow yourself to feel and process them. Understanding forgiveness. One of the workbooks that I use from Prepare and Enrich when I'm dealing with couples and pre-marriage couples just gives a little definition I'd like to read. Forgiveness is the decision or the choice to give up the right for vengeance, retribution, and negative thoughts towards an offender in order to be free from anger and resentment. This process promotes healing and restoration of inner peace, and it can allow reconciliation to take place in a relationship. Okay? It's also helpful to understand hurt. You might be able to understand some of the reasons why a church made a certain decision. You can, you can understand that. You, can, you might disagree with some of those decisions. But you can logically you can understand, okay, I can see why they made that, but it still hurt me. It's okay to be hurt. Don't deny the hurt. Even though logically you can reason it out. Further, understanding anger. A anger is okay. But what does the Scripture say? Be angry and sin not, and do not let the sun go down on your angers so that the evil one won't get a foothold. It's okay to be angry. Jesus was angry, as we know, in the, in the synagogue, kicked over some tables. Never sinned. Why? Because 
the reality of what was happening, he didn't need them to see what he was trying to teach him in order for him to be okay. He was okay. He knew the Father's love, but this was bugging him. And so he was angry about what they were doing. He had righteous anger. It's okay for you and I to be angry, but it's not your name. Others don't have to see your point of view in order for your anger to be real. Resentment. What's resentment? Resentment is your legal right to not let the other in because they've hurt you. Resentment moves to bitterness. You don't need the other to admit their fault or their hurt in order for you to forgive them. If you do, you're held ransom to their inability to acknowledge what they've done. When you forgive them, it's not a belittling of what's true. It still is true. But you can forgive them and release them so you can have the ability to walk through your process of healing and not have to carry around resentment. It's not a belittling of what's happening. It's the ability to forgive. If you can't forgive, now you become resentful and you have a legal right to no longer let them into your life. Sometimes we can ask, why do we go back? Why do we go back? Why do we go back to that place? Why do we go back to that relationship? Sometimes we go back because we kind of carry that spiritual piece about, I deserve it, um, something wrong with me. But the Lord would like us to be able to go back and continue to engage because we actually know who we are and we walk in freedom. And our love compels us. Okay, uh, so sidebar, um, honor your father and mother. Because if you do, your days will be long. It's the first commandment with a promise. Okay, mom and dad might, might not be the healthiest people, but why do you continue to move towards them? Because you love them. If you demand that they treat you a certain way in order for you to have a relationship with them, then you can't have a relationship with them. If you can see their brokenness and you release yourself from their inability to love you in the way that you would like, and you rest in the truth that the Father knows you, then you're still able to have relationship with the mom and dad that are broken and who can't see you. And you step in and out of that relationship out of freedom when you have time, when you have energy, because you know as that's all they're able to give you. It's not a denial of what's happened. It's not a denial of your hurt. It's actually an acknowledgement of it and putting it in its right place. Similarly with the church. Okay, a few verses and we're landing the plane. First John. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Love love keeps you coming back. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. It's heavy. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love his brother and his sister. Whoa, how do you do that? You do it because you understand that the truth of how you've been hurt by somebody is real. And there is one who knows. He identifies with you. It's not a belittling It's the truth that he understands and he sits with you in it. Then you can forgive. You can release. And you no longer have hate. Because you understand that that person, whether they intended to or didn't intend to, whether they knew they hurt you or didn't know that they hurt you, you know that in their point of view, in their brokenness, they're not able to see you. And you can release them. Okay, it's a couple stories. I grew up in a small town, Saskatchewan. Five churches, three Mennonite churches, four Mennonite churches, one Seventh-day Adventist church, and a population that ran right around 350 to 352. 
My mom started working when I was, uh, before I went to school or just when I went into, into school, I think, grade one. Um, uh, uh, my dad had been pretty instrumental in bringing a care home uh, to Walton for special needs adults. And my mom became the cook there and uh, worked different number of reasons. My mom was a good worker. Um, uh, yeah, good hard worker. Knew Jesus, loved Jesus. And uh, uh, the uh, people who headed up the uh, particular place that mom was working, this uh, care home, um, they had, my dad was a pastor in town, and, and they were a pastor of one of those other Mennonite churches, and then they transitioned into giving leadership to that. Uh, uh, and my, my mom, one day, we came home at lunchtime. We were, lived close to school, and my mom was home, and we were kind of confused with that, and she was crying and cooking at the stove, and what happened, Mom? She said she got fired. Oh, that was really difficult. Um, we even built a house right next to the place so we could, she could walk to work and all that stuff. And uh, my mom, for the rest of her life, never went downtown in our small town again. She carried shame. I, I think so. My mom died when I was 27. If, if she was, had lived another 20 years, we would have had this discussion, but we weren't able to. Um, but that wasn't freedom. She owned something that didn't belong to her. She carried something. Before she passed away, the two ladies wrote letters to each other, never talked to each other. One of them had cancer. They wrote letters, and they uh, forgave each other. Uh-huh. I'm sure they're having coffee these days, up in glory, talking stuff through. Yeah, I'm sure. They're good people. Okay, wh- wh- what are you and I going to do with hurt in our lives? Okay, uh, Many of you know that I was on staff here for a number of years. Uh, eight years ago, uh, I was on staff here. And there, there, you know, I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't hitting a home run in all these uh, boxes on my job description in the way that was helpful for the church. Um, I carry some really good gifts, and I'm pretty good at some of those things, some of those gifts that I carry, and some of the things I'm not quite as good. And so, uh, you know, the leadership team, Pastor Willie, you know, they're trying to help the church move forward in all kinds of ways, and they could see it was a bit heavy for me, and, and uh, because money doesn't grow on trees, and they needed to keep being good stewards and moving the church forward as best they could, they released me. That was hard. I, I thought I was going to live and die in the church. But they did the best they could. I, I, I agree with some of the points. I don't agree with all the points. I would have liked things to be different. I would have liked for... Maybe different decisions would have been made, but that's the decision that was made, and i got to live with that. But it threw up a whole bunch of stuff, like, who am I? Do I have anything to offer? Am I any good at something? Walking in community helped me to process those things. Because when you're in those places sometimes, it's hard to keep your head on. There's some dear people that walked with us in our small group. Help, help, this, help, help me process the hurt and the, the reality of that, the grief of that. Help me keep perspective. Many of you here would come and speak words of encouragement to me. Certainly God taught me many things. I'd like to think he could have used other ways to teach me some of those lessons, though. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. Are, are, you, are you connecting some dots here? There's a couple things that I, I don't want to allow people to have power over me. I want to rest in the truth of my identity in the Father. And if people misunderstand me for all their good reasons, I don't want to live under shame. I want to live under the truth of who I am in the Father. Okay? All right. We're bringing it home, folks. Jesus' high priestly prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Message. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus wants to use us, the church. Hebrews 4, 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who 
in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He is our high priest. And then let's go to Isaiah 61, verse 1. The spirit of, this is a prophecy of Jesus, and he speaks it out in the New Testament when he speaks, when he's in the temple. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he ha, the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. All right. Okay, so I don't know your story. I don't know who's hurt you. I don't know if you've been hurt. I don't know how you may have been hurt. But I do know that the Lord wants you and I to put that in perspective. I do know that the Lord is the keeper of your soul and mine and that He understands, even when others can't, even when others are unable to, even if they never are able to see, He knows. I also know that He wants you and I to walk in the fellowship of believers because He's building His church. And whether you go to a house church, whether you go to a mega church, whether you go to our church, he wants you to be part of a church because He wants you to take who you are and bring your gifts to that church so that church can be all of what God intends for it to be. And He wants you to receive from that church because you, you haven't got it all figured out. You need people with other personalities to come alongside you and help you to remind you that, oh, yeah, I haven't done that for a while. And, oh, that's really good. And, oh, thanks for encouraging me. Oh, man, breathing life into you. But the evil one wants to hijack you. He wants to keep you from God's destiny and calling in your life and to walk in freedom. And he'll use any pain, any hurt, any pain. As a Christian, you've got to do something with pain. You've got to have a theology of pain. He, would, he wants to use any hurt and pain to keep you from what God has for you. And I say today, it's time for some of that to change. We're going to sing a song in a minute, but I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And uh, I want to pray for you, and then we're going to sing. Because we want to, we just want to address some of that. Because today is a new day, today's Thanksgiving. And I believe that God wants to do spiritual things in our lives. And here's one of those days that might be a marker for you. You know where you're at. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to listen and walk you through a couple prayers today to release yourself from the truth of how you've been wounded and hurt, to walk in freedom. It's not a belittling of your hurt. It's actually to allow you to walk through it, to have greater healing and know who you are so you can walk in greater freedom. All right, so just close your eyes if you would, if you're comfortable. I'd invite you to do that, please. And I'm not asking you to come to the front today, but I am going to ask you to do something that's significant because it's just, it's just a, it's a, it's an act of saying, yeah, today, today, Father, I, I want to deal with this. Okay, so, so if you would, if, if you, I, I can't see all of you and all that, that's fine, I don't need to see you. I just ask you, if today you want to release some hurts and walk in greater freedom, you just put up your hand, and then we're going to walk through a prayer. All right, let me, let me pray. Okay. All right, so here we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and that you love us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our high priest and you know everything about us. You know all of what it meant for us to be hurt. Yeah, so, so Lord Jesus, you're our companion. You travel with us. You're our Savior and our Lord, and by your stripes we're healed, but you're our friend. Yeah. So in your mind's eye, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. You just speak to us. Yeah, so ask this question. Lord Jesus, is there a lie that I believe? are alive come to believe and if you got something just break that lie off in Jesus name we just release release that lie we break that lie off then ask him this Lord Jesus what's the truth that you want me to know just receive that truth thank you for that truth Jesus we receive that truth and ask him this Jesus is there someone I need to forgive today pray this prayer. Jesus, I forgive them and I release them. 
I give back to them the things that belong to them. And I take back the things that are rightfully mine. Washed in the blood of Jesus. I break off all agreements that I made, all agreements that were put on me, spirit and soul ties in Jesus' name. Then I release them. I know you are the one that is just. I release them to you. And I ask that you would pursue them with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great word this morning, hey? Hurt is real. Pain is real. If you haven't been hurt by the church or by people in your life, then wow, I'd like to meet you. I love, I love the bridge of this song. And Rob, if you want to go up and put those words up just to the bridge there, I just want you to see these quickly as we close this morning. But it says, there's no shadow, right? That's the first one. There's no, let's go back. There's no wall. <laughs> There's no shadow. Here we go. There's no shadow you won't light up. Right? When we're, when we're hurt and there's darkness, and Cal did such a great job, but if you bring light into that and you expose it, it goes away. I love the words that there's no shadow you won't light up. Like God wants to expose those dark areas of our lives and the pain where it is. There's no mountain you won't climb up. What's the phrase? Wow, you really made a mountain out of a mohill. It's not that right? But we go through it and something happens, but we don't. And all of a sudden, this mountain has been formed of offense, of hurt, of pain. And God is saying, there's no mountain. Even if if you've made a mountain out of a molehill, there's nothing that I wouldn't climb up. And then there's no wall that you wouldn't kick down. What happens when we get hurt? I don't, I'll speak for myself, but I build walls. You're never going to hurt me again. Never going to do that to me again. Never going to. And we build those walls up. God is saying there's no wall that you won't kick down. Right? Because it needs to be destroyed, not just gently. It needs to be destroyed. Then there's no lie. This is, uh, I love that, Cal, you address it. There's no lie you won't tear down because we believe in that lie. It's not truth. It's stuff that we make up sometimes. Stuff that we just go on and go on. and, And it's something we've created the narrative in our own head. And God's saying, no, there's an overwhelming love. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find it. You know why? Because you're in it. Because I'm in it. Now, we're not perfect. We're going to disappoint and let each other down, but family sticks together. Amen? We're going to invite our prayer team forward. They're going to be on the right and left here. If you you need someone just to talk to and pray with this morning, Maybe you got hurt. Maybe you got pain. Maybe it's from the church. Maybe it's from someone. But you want that exposed. You want that mountain destroyed. You want those walls kicked down. You want those lies torn down. This morning's for you. We thank you for being with us. The band's going to continue to play quietly, but we invite you to come if you need prayer. And we want to take time and pray with you this morning. Enjoy your turkey if you're doing turkey today. If you're doing it tomorrow, enjoy it. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. We'll see you next week.